How many of you have overcome something in your life? How many of you did it in God? Get it God's power? All right. How many of you got a problem? Anybody got a problem? All right. Any, anybody want to get rid of it? Yeah? All right. Well, let's just pray real quick, and we're going to ask God to take the problems away and give you solutions today. Heavenly Father, in the great name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, would you just just take all the problems and all the burdens, God, and remove them, Jesus? Would you give uh, power and spirit uh, in the midst of uh, struggles and difficulties? And may you be glorified in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. All right, well, you know, I like cartoons. Anybody like cartoons? They're kind of old school. I mean, mostly I like to watch uh, YouTube videos and, they, and all that. But there's one old school video I really like. Illustrates kind of how most of us live. Uh, go ahead and take a look at the screen. And the caption below says, Bummer of a birthmark, Hal. <laughs> so, uh, you, know, you know, you can only imagine this kind of a scene. And, and sometimes we feel like we're wearing a bullseye. Like, how come me, and God, why is this happening, and how do I overcome that? And yet God has a solution to every one of the burdens and the problems we face in life. And what we want to do is we want to show you today some steps toward finding real freedom. You know, the promise, I want you to keep this thought in mind, the promise always precedes the problem in your life. God's promise is always there. It's there before you have a problem. What happens is when the problem comes, you forget there was a promise. And you start scrambling for an answer or a quick solution to your problem. But the promise was there all along. What God wants you to do is to have a shorter distance of time between you understanding the promise and encountering the problem. So that you're not living your life going, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? Or is there an answer? Or God, where are you? No, God says, here's the promise. I want you to take hold of the promise. So I want you to look in your Bibles in Luke chapter 8 and verse 22. And we're going to talk a little bit about the promise of Jesus and how that can seal you for your security in your future with this promise, all right, through the problem. Now, it says that it happened on a certain day that he got in the boat with his disciples. He is Jesus. And he said unto them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. Now, what's the promise? The promise is we're going to get in the boat and we're going to go to the where? To the other side. There's the promise. Have you ever noticed how when Jesus gives you a promise, you forget the promise in the middle of the problem? Right? How about this one? I will be with you always, Jesus said that. Have you ever had times where you go, Jesus, where are you? And he's wanting to go, I gave you the promise, you forgot the promise. So the disciples forgot the promise. Now, let me ask you this question. As you think about that that piece of the story, did they need to get to the other side? We don't know. They're going to get to the other side. Something's going to happen over there. Did they need to get to the other side, or did they need to understand the power and the promise of God in the middle of a problem? You see, I believe sometimes God will take you on a journey to strengthen your faith, and the destination isn't nearly as important as the process. Some of you are going through a process right now that's not comfortable. You're going through a problem right now. It's not comfortable. You don't know why you're in the problem. 
you think God must not like you or circumstances are not turning in your favor, but it may be that God is taking you through the process so you understand the promise so that you can face your problem in his power. Amen? You see how that works? Now, as you start to think about it, if we read in our, in our Bibles what happens after the story, once they, once they get to the other side, the first thing they encounter is not a fun thing, it is another problem. This time it's a problem of a guy by the name of Legion. They called him that because the Bible says he was possessed by many demons. Now, if you think being in the middle of a lake in a storm is a problem, wait till you encounter a man that has so many demons, they call him legion. You see, problems don't diminish in life, you just become stronger. Don't pray for easy lives, pray to be a strong person. Don't pray for a problem equal to your power, get your power up to your problem. Live in the power of the Spirit of God so when the problem comes, you go, that's not a problem anymore because I have the promise. I have the promise. You see, freedom is not on the other side. Have you ever said this? When I get through this, it's going to be great. You ever said that? And then you got over there and you go, it's not great. What happened? I got over there. I thought all was going to be well. If I could just get through this week, I know everything would be fine. And you get through this week and guess what? It starts all over. You got another week. You got another problem. You got another challenge. Got another difficulty in your life, right? Okay, so you see, freedom is not on the other side. Now, watch this. Freedom is in the midst of your problem. If you can learn how to get freedom in the middle of a problem, then it's no longer a problem that you're living on. You're living on a promise. We have to live on a promise and not on a problem. I suspect that many of us here today have lived much of our life on the problem and not on the promise. But if the promise becomes foundational and strong in your life, then the problems will begin to diminish in your life. Pursue God, pursue God. Now watch this, pursue God and you will find him. You find what you pursue. You pursue love, you find love. You pursue life, you, pers- you, you find life. You pursue problems, and guess what you'll find? Anybody got an idea? You're going to find a problem. You ever know anybody that's just an expert in finding problems? You just talk to them, you go, how you doing? I got a problem. Uh, you know, and you, tell, you try to work them out of it. You, know, you try to kind of minister to them and love them and you know, kind of help them there, and they go, yeah, but. And then they take you down the road to the problem again. And, and what God wants us to do is move to the solution side of life, live in the promises of Almighty God. Let me show you this second thought. Don't let the enemy rock your boat. Don't let the enemy rock your boat. You see, what happens is it's not your wife, it's not your husband, it's not your children, it's not your neighbors, it's not who you go to school with or who you work with that's the problem. The enemy is ultimately the problem. He's trying to stir it up inside of you. You might point your finger and say, well, they're the problem. No, they're not the problem. They might be agitating the problem, but the real problem goes back to the enemy. But don't let the enemy take control of your boat in life. Look, look, let's go on with the story. Luke chapter 8, verses 23 and 24. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. Now, okay, so Jesus gets in the boat. What's the first thing he does? He falls asleep. You see, because you can fall asleep in the middle of a problem if you understand the promise. 
That's a lot deeper than you're giving me credit for. You can fall asleep in the middle of a problem if you're living by the promise. You see, the reason we can't sleep is because we haven't tied into the promise deep enough to allow it to affect and provide the foundation for emotional, mental security. So the problem takes control of our emotions and our boat begins to rock and we say to ourselves and to everyone around us, what am I going to do? It is because that is now controlling your life and controlling your destiny. You see, many people's emotions are controlling their future. And every time something goes up or down in their life, then that determines where they're going to end up, on what shore they're going to land, and how far they're going to get in life. Because emotions become the guide. Now look what happens. He gets in the boat, he falls asleep. Seems rude. Right? We're in the boat. The storm is coming. Jesus, could you not be courteous enough to stay awake in case bad things happen? You ever felt like God's asleep? I really feel like some of you feel like God is just kind of taking his hand off and been giving you the silent treatment. But I want you to know he's sleeping for a reason. He's trying to teach you how to walk by faith. That's all. He knows just what's going on and when to respond. Look what it says. And they were filling with water. So this is not an average storm. All of a sudden the water's coming inside the boat and they were in jeopardy and they came to him and they awoke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Master, Master, we are. I've sa- have you ever said that? I've said that. What am I going to do? God, if you don't come through. But remember this, the enemy is the one who steals your dream. It's the enemy that comes along and says, you know, I think I'd like to have your dream. You've been thinking about a great thing that you want to do, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to shake your boat, and as you give over to the problem and that boat begins to shake, you will forget about what's really important in your life, and that's the future I have for you, the dream I have for you. And you will forsake it that quick. Just that quick you'll give it up. Bill Johnson put it like this, promotion does not go unchallenged. Whenever you begin to advance in your life, whether it's in your financial life, vocational life, your relationship life, your spiritual life, it will not go unchallenged. There will always be a challenger to that next level that you walk in. Just count on it. Just when you think you've been placed in a position of influence or importance or security, something will happen to rock your boat. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. Pretty familiar verse. Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. Let me just kind of walk you through, and I want you to slow down long enough to really see what he's trying to say. Listen to what it says. Whatsoever things you ask when you pray. When you pray. There's something happens when you pray. I'm not talking about the courtesy prayers, you know, God just, hey, thanks for this food and you're hungry, so let's hurry up. I'm not talking about the kind of prayers, you know, that say, God, you know, I'm driving through and I'd like a really close parking place. I'm not talking about the, you know, the survival prayers, you know, when you're going too fast and you see a a, a police officer. I'm not talking about those kind of prayers. He's talking about the when you prayer, when you pray kind of prayers, when you labor for something that's really important in your life kind of prayers. 
those serious kind of prayers that drive us to our knee and say, God, you got to come through. If you don't come through, I don't know what I'm going to do. Those kind of prayers. When you pray those kind of prayers, believe that you receive them. So I have to believe before I receive. And it says, and you will have them. Now, let me show you something. When you pray, pay special attention to the things that are formed in your spirit when you pray. Now, this is significant. It may not sound as significant as it really is and as it's going to be, but when you are praying, the Spirit of God is revealing something to you in that moment that's for your future. Now, the enemy wants you to forget what the Spirit of God is telling you there, but there is a pureness that comes in prayer when you pray those kind of prayers that is significant because it's going to help you in the days ahead. And here's what I mean by that. He will manifest in your heart, the Spirit of God will, where He's taking you. See, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God speaks in your spirit, and He's taking you down some road, and He's saying, this is for you, and it's in your future. He wants you to remember what He's saying. He's going to take you into your future, and He's going to come back with a word that is necessary for your present. Now, let me show you how that works. I'm praying, God says something, I say, but God, how? How are you going to do that, God? That doesn't even make sense, God. He says, no, I'm giving it to you now so that when, you, when it comes upon you, you're going to walk into it. You see, there's dreams and there's visions that God will put in your spirit that don't seem possible, that don't seem real, but the, in the when you pray time, he's putting it there for a reason. He says, I'm going to prepare you inside for what I'm going to do on the outside. But I got to get you right on the inside so that when the outside happens, you'll understand this is that. This is that which I spoke about earlier. Now, you're in the middle of a storm. You're not even thinking about all the solutions. All you're thinking about is the problems. But let me give you this truth. Storms are not a problem for those who can walk on water. Storms are not a problem for those who can walk on water. You see, on that other occasion where Jesus comes walking on the water and Peter says, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And he gets out of the boat and he walks on the water. You see, that wasn't a problem for Peter because he could walk on the water. Any storm didn't matter. It's when we take our eye off Jesus, put it on the storm is when it becomes a problem. What if you could walk on water through your problems and still have peace? And you might say, well, that's easy for you to say because you don't know my life. All right, let me give an example of someone I know who can walk on water. When our children were young, we had a babysitter named Leanne. Leanne was the sweetest, kindest, most gentle soul you would ever meet. She had a sister, a mom, and a dad. And we loved the whole family. Shortly after her older sister got married, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. That brain tumor affected her greatly. It affected her speech, her vision, and even her mobility. They had two children. The husband said, this is not what I signed up for. And he divorced her. So now she's divorced, dealing with this on her own trying to raise children, trying to manage life. You can only imagine the mom 
Marianne and how she must have felt, how difficult that was, but she never let the circumstances bring her down. She kept walking on the water. A little bit later, Leanne got married. She had three children. Those three children grew up. They were cute. They were probably, the oldest was probably seven, eight years old. And her husband wasn't exactly a good man. In fact, he was such a bad man that on a tragic day, first he took her life and then he took his own. And now Marianne, with full custody of those three children, trying to care for her daughter, recovering from a brain tumor and caring for her two children, kept walking on the water. She never let the problems bring her down. She kept walking on the water because she knew the promise of God was more powerful than the problem. And her and Tom raised those kids for a number of years until Tom developed a heart problem and he passed away last year. I remember talking to her on the phone as clearly as I'm talking to you today. I said, how are you doing? She said, you know, all the children keep me going and my trust in God. You see, she learned how to walk on water. She had problems way beyond what I could even imagine a person could contend with. But she learned how to walk on the water in the midst of her problems. I don't know what your problems are, and I'm sure they're, they're, they're difficult, and I'm sure they're challenging at times, and I'm sure there are times where you want to give up, but I want to encourage you, don't give up. Walk on the water. The promises of God are always more powerful than the problems you're going to encounter in life. When you say, I, I just don't think I can get through it, I, I want you to know God will get you through it. Just take one step after the other and see what God can do. You see, when you encounter people who walk on water, it encourages you to walk on the water too. You see, here's the truth. Your future is greater than your past. Sometimes we look back and we think about how great our past was and we idolize it a little bit, don't we? We, we talk about relationships and how great they were and jobs and how great they were and certain places, how great they were. And we think, well, those were such a great time in my life. But you see, it's a trick of the enemy to get you stuck in what was the past and will never come back so that you never enjoy the present or the future. And so all you do is you're locked into, I wish I wouldn't have, or what if, or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's gone. It will never come back. But what you do have, which is right here in front of you and available, and in God's hand, he just hands it to you. He says, I give you the present. And not only the gift of the present, I give you the future. And if you'll walk with me, I'm going to take you through. I'm going to show you how to walk on water. I'm going to show you how to get through your most difficult, most trying kind of times in life. Look in Luke chapter 8 again in verse 25. He said unto them, where is your faith? That's an interesting phrase. He doesn't say you don't have faith. He said, where is your faith? You know, they had faith, but it was in the wrong thing. They had faith in the boat. They had faith in the weather. They had faith in one another. They had faith in all different kinds of things, but they didn't have faith in God in that moment. You see, all of us have faith, but sometimes our faith's in the wrong thing, right? When I was uh, about 11 or 12 years old, a couple of my buddies, we would always go out adventuring. And we'd go out, and it wasn't too far from where we lived. You could get out in the country pretty easy in Colorado. And so we went, and we found a, a beautiful lake that had a fence around it. 
And we said, I wonder why they have a fence around this lake, probably keep dumb kids from drowning. But anyway, we didn't think about it. We said, let's just crawl under the fence. And we crawled under, we saw this beautiful lake, and then we envisioned ourselves being sailors. We envisioned as we talked ourselves into building a raft. We were going to build a raft. We were going to float across it. We were, going to be, we were going to be just like some kind of crusaders or something. I don't know. We were just, we had wonderful ideas. And so we went back and we got every piece of wood we could find, anything that we thought might float. We hooked it together. We put it underneath two wagons and we pulled it over to that lake with the fence around it, the barbed wire fence around it to keep dumb kids out from drowning, I'm sure. That's what we thought. We slipped that, that, uh, that little raft through that, that fence. We got it on the other side and prided ourselves that no one caught us. Prided ourselves that we were going to be great sailors. We got it out to the water and, and we put it there on the edge and, and then we jumped on it to launch out into the middle. And as we launched out into the middle, what we discovered about our little raft was it wouldn't float. In fact, all it really did well was sink. But in the process of sinking, we found out we had another problem. The reason they had a fence around it, it apparently was some kind of a sewage lake. And we found ourselves up to our waist in you know what. Now we abandoned that, that little raft at the lake. Went home as fast as we could. Tried to tell the story to as few people as we possibly could. And I thought about that story a lot because it's so much like our life, isn't it? We make these grand plans. We make the raft. We slip it through the fence where we shouldn't be. We get it out into the lake. We launch out into the deep only to find ourselves in a bigger problem than we ever had before. You see, even if you find yourself in that situation, God has a way of getting you out. God has a way of cleaning you up and sending you down the road and making life rich because God has a future for you. He said, where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? Do you know that God puts you in the middle of a problem to understand his promise so that you understand who he is? See, God wants you to understand him. God wants you to understand he is God. Do you know that in the middle of a problem, when you find the promise, you understand the power of God in a greater degree? You begin to realize, wow, this is God. Who is this? For he commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him. You know, as I thought about problems and I thought about, about life and how it goes on, maybe it's just time. Maybe it's time to say goodbye to yesterday. You see, some of you are living so strongly in yesterday, you can't see today. It's, lie, it's pulling you back down. Ron Carpenter put it this way, today's decisions are tomorrow's reality. Today's decisions are tomorrow's reality. The decisions you make, in, make today, whether good or bad, they're going to become your reality. And if you get locked into a bad decision, it's going to be your reality. A good decision, your reality. Time to say goodbye to yesterday. Time to say hello to a new dream. Today is a new day. Time to birth a new dream in your life. The book of Habakkuk is a, is a great book, and there's a couple of verses that I want to just share with you. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says this, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come and it will not tarry. Now remember when we talked about those wind times that you pray? 
When you pray, those when times and God begins to speak and he shows you something, write it down. Write down what God shows you in those moments because the enemy doesn't want you to keep track of your dreams. He wants you to forget about your dreams so you focus in on your problems. And then your problems become your dream. You live out the dream of a problem, what might happen, and, and, and all the bad things that could go on in that. And the enemy wants to keep you there. You've got to write it down. Then you've got to believe it. Am I going to believe what God told me, or am I going to reject it? Am I going to try to excuse what God told me, or am I going to accept it? What am I going to do with God showed me? I'm going to write it down. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to listen to it. It says it will speak. Do you know dreams speak? You ever had God put something in your heart? You go, I don't know how that's going to happen. And then you're just kind of going through life, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God will say, this is that. This is what I'm talking about. He'll reinforce your faith. This is that. And God began, you say, I don't know how to get through the mess I'm in right now. You don't have to know right now. You just have to have faith in God. If you have faith in God and you make good decisions going forward, you're going to see the reality of the promise of God in your life. God's going to do something great in your life. You see, God's vision is waiting for you out there in the future. You have to say, I want to come in to my future. Your vision and your goal is really just something you walk in. I'm going to walk into that future. I'm going to walk into that promise. It's time in your life to declare, I have a great future. I have freedom in my future. I've got a freedom to let the problems go and let the dreams come. I don't know how many of you have ever been to New York City and been to the Statue of Liberty. I remember we were living there. We hadn't been in, on the East Coast very long, and we said, we want to go see the Statue of Liberty. We went down there. All of our friends who lived out there, most of whom had never even been there. Oh, yeah, we drive by it, but we've never been there. I wanted to go there. We wanted to go there and, and touch the monument. We wanted to see that grand lady that just proclaimed liberty there. And I didn't know much about it. You know, it was given by the French in 1886, and apparently they sent it over in crates, and it was our job to assemble it. But when they began to calculate what it would cost, it was going to cost about $100,000 in 1886 to erect that Statue of Liberty. So they went to the rich and the famous. They went to all the different people that had the money to build the statue, put the Statue of Liberty up, and all of them said, no, we're not going to have any part in it. And there was, a, there was a newspaper man there by the name of Pulitzer, Joe Pulitzer, had a small newspaper, and he decided that the statue needed to go up, and so he put in the paper an appeal to the common man. We need $100,000 and everyone who contributes to it, I'm going to put their name in my newspaper. And so the shoeshine boys began to show up. The kids showed up with a nickel. The grocery store workers showed up. In all, 121,000 different people showed up and contributed, and the average gift was 83 cents. There was a Jewish woman by the name of Emma Lazarus. Emma Lazarus decided that she was going to also have a part in helping to erect that Statue of Liberty. So she wrote a poem. And she thought, well, I'll write the poem and maybe I can read it and it'll inspire people and maybe people will, will auction on it and maybe people will give to the Statue of Liberty. Part of that poem that she wrote finds its place on the Statue of Liberty. It sounds familiar to all of us. Let me read it to you. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. 
You know why that resonates with us? Because we identify with it. We identify with what it means to be tired, what it means to be poor, what it means to, to find yourself without hope sometimes. But most of all, we yearn to be free, to be set free from something in our life. Something in your life is keeping you in bondage. Something in your life is keeping you from a future. I don't know what it is. It's not important that I know. It's only important that you release it. It's important that you give it to God and you say, God, I need the promise more than I need the problem. I yearn to be free. And deep in our spirit, in every one of us, there is a yearning to be free. Let me give you a couple of life applications. Here's the first one. God has already given you everything you need to succeed. There's nothing you don't have that God hasn't already given. Remember, the promise precedes the problem. There is a promise to it. And isn't it time to start shouting freedom in your life? Isn't it time to take the the bondage and say freedom? You know, when you, you read the story of Moses leading the people of Israel out of Egypt, you know, there was one voice that came up, and it was a louder voice than of, uh, over slavery. It was a voice of freedom. Freedom's going to be more important than bondage. When Martin Luther King cried freedom, it was a louder voice than slavery, than difficulty, than, than segregation. It was a louder voice. And in every one of us, there needs to be a time when our, our voice says, I want to be free more than I want to be in bondage. The God's promise is greater than my problem. I think we can all identify that with, with that, can't we? I want you to stand with me right now, and uh, the band's going to play under uh, while we do this, this, this last piece, but I want you just to stand right now, and I want you to ask the Spirit of God to show you right now what's the one thing that you need to release today? The one thing that's keeping you in bondage. What is that one thing that's keeping you in bondage? Would you release that to Him? Would you give that over to him today? Would you say to God, God, I've held it long enough. I'm ready to release it. God, I don't want it in my life anymore. I'm ready to release it. God, it's not worth the emotional energy I put into it. I want to release it right now. Would you say that? Would you say that to him? Let's just bow our head and I want to pray for you as you contemplate what that thing is in your life. Father, I just pray right now that you would just hone in on one thing in a person's life that needs to be released. What is that one problem that needs a promise? What is that one promise you would put your hand to and say, God, I'm going to put my hand on the promise. I'm going to walk in freedom. I'm going to be released. You know, it hasn't been too long ago that we invited people to come to this stage. One man standing out here right in front of us was dealing with a severe back problem. The doctors hadn't been of any help. Medicine hadn't been of any help. A young, active man stood here and said, I'm desperate enough to stand in front and ask for freedom. And while he stood here, he said literally his back, he heard his back pop. Instantly the pain was gone. Where he couldn't step up on a single step, he stood up on the stage He experienced freedom from bondage. I don't know what your bondage is. I don't know what your difficulty. I don't know what holds you back, what the problem is. But here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you and everyone in this room to move toward this stage and say, you know, 
I want to be prayed for. I want, I want freedom in my life. I don't know what the issue is, and maybe you need to pray for someone else. You say, you know, um, I'm just really trying to help someone else, and I want to pray for their freedom. Would you just come to the stage right now? We're going we're gonna to just have a group prayer over you. We're going to ask God to set free, to bring about really just His promises in your life. Just all over this room, just come quickly. We're not going to take a lot of time doing this. We want to just go quickly. You know, sometimes when we, when we move in the spirit realm like this, and we say, God, I, I'm going to do that. We don't know what the end result's going to be, but God just does. And he, he responds quickly and actively, and He moves in powerful ways that we can't even imagine. Just come quicker. We're just going to wait one more minute, and then we're going to, we're going to pray for you right now. God sees your faith in just stepping forward. You see, that's an act of faith. It's an act of faith just to say, I'm going to take the move. I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to, I'm going to join with others here in this time of prayer.